Maximum Health with your host, Dr. Ken Gray. With over 20 years in healthcare, Dr. Gray is a doctor of oriental medicine and holistic physician fusing Eastern and Western healing. Dr. Gray is on staff at Jupiter Medical Center and in private practice with an office in Jupiter, Florida, where he resides. Dr. Gray enjoys being a physician as well as being an educator. His unique approach to holistic healing has taken him abroad to lecture in Baden-Baden, Germany, and treat sports professionals in Hawaii and Biarritz, France. He is co author of several books on food therapy and the founder of the annual Star Summit Talks at the Norton Museum of Art in Palm Beach, Florida. Now it's time for Maximum Health with Dr. Ken Gray. Welcome back, everyone. This is Maximum Health Radio, quality living with yours truly, Dr. Ken Gray. Thank you for joining us. Uh, it's always a pleasure to have you listening to us on the radio, wherever you are, as well as on all available podcasts. And as you know, with Maximum Health, quality living, um, it, you know, we we focus on all different types of health, and it's been my mandate to bring to you that idea and notion that health has many forms, social, environmental, spiritual, emotional, I mean, just so much. Today we'll talk about something that's really important. Um, Well, it's all been important, but this, to me, is something that is slowly but surely uh, has been falling by the wayside for those that seem to be in a position to um, do better and it should be a priority, but it hasn't been for a long time. And there are those which have taken up the mantle, stepped forward, stepped up, and are filling those much-needed gaps to keep our species, our country, our culture, everything moving forward in a positive way. And that foundation that we have is grounded securely in education. If we don't have education for our youth, if we can't educate, if we can't learn and teach and grow, we fade. And there is something to be said about that and so many aspects of it. But we will get to the nitty gritty of what it takes to fill in those gaps, to take up that mantle when the government and other aspects of society just turns a blind eye. We have in the studio today public school development solutions director, founder, uh, Lauren Hollander. We also have Tisa Oldham, board member of Building Tomorrow's Schools. They work in tandem to create scenarios and situations where not only schools are being built, but that they can be sustained because that's really important. And as you'll learn through this show, um, it takes a village. It takes more than a village. It takes so much. And it takes a lot of love, which both of you have. And thank you for joining us and giving us your time today to share with us all of your wonderful work. Our pleasure. Yes. You're welcome. Thanks very much for having us. Yes. Lauren, this started... Is it okay if I call you Lauren? Sure. Ms. Holland, Mrs. Hollander? Yes, please call me Lauren. <laughs> Lauren from uh, Public School Development Solutions. This started. This conversation started with you. And we were speaking about a lot of things, not only education and its importance, but the arts and all of these things, but also went into talking about old Florida. That's true. And I love that conversation. I love the fact that old Florida needs to be new Florida. <laughs> you know, old America needs to be new America in some aspects, right? We're talking about the better parts of caring 
and sharing and all those good things, right? Community. That's exactly right. Yeah. So what got you into public school development solutions and and how long have you been doing this? And tell us a little bit about your journey. So the journey is is unique. I came from a different industry, predominantly business and uh, finance, and the opportunity came to step up and participate in a school that was very targeted at dropout prevention, um, what we call alternative education. And so I participated as a board member and began to learn more about the educational industry Mm -hmm. and the uh, environment in which there are challenges Um, Not that it is any one individual or one party's fault. I think it's just an opportunity where not every child fits in the same seat and learns at the same pace. And so the first initiative was surrounding giving an opportunity to those that maybe feel disenfranchised with the traditional environment. And so these schools were peppered throughout Florida and um, provided that opportunity for what they deemed as dropouts, but they look like all of our children. Mm -hmm. They just had reasons that didn't work for them, whether it was emotional, physical, or life that came in the way of. And so um, we, we learned a lot through that and evolved into saying there may be an opportunity for us to help with providing educational facilities to the school districts and or charter schools that see that same vision of what do we need to fill this growth demand because oftentimes a five-year plan for example doesn't necessarily have the trajectory of what's actually happening in our state with Mm -hmm. this migration and the growth and then where are the student stations and how do we fill their needs and what types of schools do they go to and we've met some really cool people with innovative ideas on how they approach education and spark that relevance in some of these students that need relevance to actually see that it fits them. It's not just going through a grind. And so we're thrilled to death to have partnered with Building Tomorrow's Schools as a nonprofit organization that we together strategically can provide those opportunities at a financially viable um, threshold Mm -hmm. that may have otherwise been beyond reach with some of the organizations that may have debt limits or bonding capacity issues or um, need the time to grow the schools. And so that's how we got into this. And it was, uh, it's been over the last 12, 15 years. And our organization has um, built approximately 35,000 student stations throughout the state. And we have found that um, it helps. They integrate safety features that are really critical in today's world. Student stations. Yep. What is that? Oh, student stations. Good. Um, I forget. We have our (laughs) own lingo. Yeah. (laughs) Um, That would be a place for a student to actually sit and participate in school. Okay. And so that's how they talk about that um, world and school plants, which are the facilities that house those student stations. Okay. And so... Um, that's what it's kind of driven around. So that's 35,000 more seats, places for 
people to learn. That's exactly <laughs> yeah, right. Students to learn. Mm -hmm. Okay. And all ages, kindergarten through? That's right, kindergarten through 12. Okay. Mm -hmm. okay. Uh, working in any colleges or anything like that? We're actually working with a post-secondary institute that's trying to put in a, um, a vocational school. Mm -hmm. And it would bring to that geographic area yeah. um, a solution for careers and a path for mm -hmm. jobs okay. to some folks that really could benefit from that. And so I see that we have those type of opportunities opening up. And um, they call them CTE, okay. courses and credits. And so there is a, a renewed interest in saying, how do we bring vocational to our students so mm. that they can get jobs, not right. just let's move them through the system. So it's translating education to actual workplace and workforce uh, viability. That's yeah. correct. Life skills. Yes, because that's lacking in all levels. I mean, you can graduate from Harvard and have no common sense. I mean, that's I've seen it. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's the reality of today's world is that um, that vocational experience, that's something I instill in my children. Mm -hmm. So you can get all the education and you will get all the education. There's no choice in that. You know, you're going to get education. You have to. However, um, you know, for their jobs, I, I try to start them off in a service level industry and they have to do a year in that. Then they move into something else, you know, before they get into maybe a specialized mm -hmm. job. So they do like a year, a year, and then another year. And so by the time they're, you know, like I have uh, one in 18, uh, she's already done food service. Now she's doing retail. And this gives her that experience of how to connect with people on a retail level and selling and accommodating that way versus just food and, you know, interacting with different people from all different walks of life. And then she's now I'm going to take her into a specialty type setting and try to get her a job in that, you know, arena. So that's what I do. My 21 year old, she went into she did food, uh, retail, and then she went into um, med med medical um, mm -hmm. assisting. So I, I, I love the fact that you're looking at all these aspects. And, you know, that brings me to TISA because I'm thinking from a non-for-profit and, and getting involved with the organization that, organization that you are, um, you're seeing it from a different perspective. Can you tell us how you see education and what got you involved there? Yeah, so I think um, being a Floridian, myself and Lauren both, lifelong Floridians, our paths crossed and we had the opportunity to to come to an understanding of what our community needs mm -hmm. and what we value. And when you start having conversations with people that you realize that what's important is to strengthen our community from the foundation up. Mm -hmm. And that includes everything from these industries that Lauren was referring to, plumbing and electrician and and um, hands-on needs in, in these schools. You speak about retail and medical and um, food and beverage. This is the foundation of our communities. And it's important to do something in your community where you are giving back and helping strengthen it. Yeah. Well, education is the basis for all of that. Absolutely. So that's an easy jump, I think, for anybody to wrap their head around. Mm -hmm. What made this unique was um, in observing Lauren's former involvement in schools and charter schools and becoming friends with her, 
it became contagious to see the enthusiasm about how we could come together to provide solutions in our communities. And of course, it's broadened through the state. And I think it can broaden even bigger than that because there isn't anywhere in the United States that won't need this at some point. But what struck us as a nonprofit was recognizing that it's not just the physical plant that a district needs. They need assistance in the financial aspect of how to bring the best education opportunities for all levels. So our nonprofit brought together a group of people with um, some extreme talent and experience in both education and business and finance and said, how can we partner with this organization and others that are coming together to do this so that we can provide a full solution to Mm -hmm. a school district and help them meet the growth needs in their districts, meet the different educational levels, whether that's K through six or high school, whatever it is, and provide solutions that are outside of the typical box for a district to think through. And, and in our case, that involves both a perspective on education and also financial alternatives for them to think about. Right. And it's, it's been fascinating. It's been fun to sit through some of these meetings and, and watch them start to think outside of the box and to be able to provide that for them, right. a solution that they, that they might not otherwise be able to get. So you, you're collectively doing this. You have these meetings. Um, there's obviously some great minds involved. So we get the public financing solutions. That's huge. We get real estate services because you need to find the locations, and then you need to build on those locations. Um, facility planning and development is important, but it's also part of like finding the most modern design. So that is something I'm curious about because in the title of your 501c3, there's Building Tomorrow Schools. So it makes me think about what does that look like? What is the technology that we're now doing? Because you have the opportunity to transcend what was typical and what was bare necessities. You know, I went to school in New York uh, at a time when, you know, there was a level of security that was being involved. But in the end, it just looked like jails. <laughs> they looked like another version of a jail. Like there was, you know, just barbed wire and then fences and then just these concrete buildings and then just these rooms with seats. And, you know, um, the only good thing about it was the teachers, right, and your friends. And that made it feel not like that. Now, I feel like when you look at the different structures and what is the future of education, how do we make these learning facilities that really step up to being in 20, the 2020s, you know, and, and onwards, 2030? What does that look like? Have you had discussions? And I'll let Lauren talk about this, but before she does, one of the things that was so appealing for us as a board was that very design that you speak of. Mm-hmm. So it it takes into um, it factors in mm-hmm. the educational tools that our children need, but also safety, security, innovation, uh, environmentally conscious. All of these things come together to create a facility that is outstanding. And that's what you can get enthusiastic about, not just as a board member that's behind the financing of how this might come together, but also as a parent and as a student, as a teacher, As a community, when you sit down and think about where you would want your children or your nieces and nephews or your grandchildren to attend school, Mm. when you see the the plant that we have put together 
in connection with them, you cannot help but get excited and get behind it. Mm -hmm. So Lauren can tell you a little bit more about the design because that's uniquely what they bring to the right. table. Yep. Thanks, Tisa. Um, I think it's really uh, unique when we can um, utilize the facility that you're sitting in as a potential lab itself. One of the things that the nonprofit started with was a concept surrounding sustainable energy. How do we create a school that focuses on those future jobs, future careers, future needs, not only for the children coming through the um, program, but also for the communities and our environment. And so in conjunction with some experts, there was a plant design that actually had a consideration for the solar on the actual plant that provides the energy to the building with a dashboard that would actually show the students studying that trajectory of how do you measure that energy transfer? Mm -hmm. How do you store the energy transfer? They also contemplated the windows on the actual facility. There is heat transfer in the plant and in their windows. You know, it's the aluminum frames that generally transfers that. So you can have different types of glass. So the anticipation was, let's put those glasses in so the students in that class progressing through that career trajectory will actually understand what that means with a hands-on. And so they designed many things surrounding that particular industry track. Um, what it also translated to is in this last year and a half, we've all learned we have to have different methods of trying to reach people with our educational curriculum for the day. And so all of the schools moving forward are going to be surrounding that ability to teach on the grounds as well as if they are at home. You can have kids in a different classroom at the mm. end of the hallway if there's a reason they need to be in a different room so that you can have the ability to reach them and deliver that curriculum. I also think with the technology available they've talked about the ability to tap into educators that are not necessarily physically in our location. You know, we can all learn from the best and brightest in a particular industry or field if we can deliver through the digital world that's available to us. And so each one of these schools are designed with all of those features available to them and students to have those individual devices if and when it's practical. That and is, I, I, sorry to interrupt, no, but that's okay. those are three huge, huge developments. That is better than probably most private schools. Uh, that versatility and that flexibility, that's going to make all the difference for a large number of, you know, uh, I think people or, or our, young, our young people going into the school system. Because I, I do believe there's been a huge shift in the way that our youth and the next generations will process information. And That's that exactly. alone is like, we have to step up to that. Mm -hmm. They're not assimilating information the way we did. Right, and, and we like the idea of this immersion process mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to where it's not just a child opening a textbook and reading right. it and then right. discussing it. Right. It's a full 
body experience. It's creating, yeah, know? yeah, a and living forum almost. That's like, right, yeah. and to understand the whole process. Mm -hmm. So when they're in the classroom, they're understanding because of the plant and the use of its own resources, mm -hmm. what their actions are doing. Yes. And and, and we love that. On. Now let yeah. me add to that the importance of that. I, I, it it also factors into the cost of the plant. Right. So their design also took into consideration how we can make this cost effective for the districts. Right. So it isn't just about providing a state-of-the-art facility that is um, out, out of their ability to be able to afford it. It is also taking those resources and using them right. for the function of the plant. So, so there's a financial creativity going on That's as right. Well. And, right. And for young people to learn that mm -hmm. in their environment, Yep. that they can then take out into the world and use both in their personal life and their sure, business life. Sure. I mean, it's education upon education. Yeah, the, the hands-on observance of energy, you know, those things stick. I, you know, I went to, um, when I was in uh, sixth grade, I had a teacher named Mr. Ausliner. I've mentioned him a few times over the year because he was so instrumental in my growth and my um, shift in, in how I... Uh, believed education could could be useful to me right because up until that point it was something I did not want it was something I, I hated uh, because I always got in trouble or or I laughed too much or you know I was one of those kids that had a, a that was funny bone <laughs> it didn't take much for me to laugh and I would get in trouble he was the first to make time to hug his students to teach us about classical music, to teach us about ham radio. And he had them put a place where he could, you know, show his students ham radio. So ham radio. So that hands-on awareness of that technology at that time changed, you know, that's, that stuff sticks. So like you said about the plant and everything and learning how energy goes. But one of the things that really I think we would, I would like to spend the last few moments we have together talking about you said that through these uh, the technolo technological advancements in these facilities, now you'll be able to have these students will be able to access teachers through these digital platforms and outlets so that they're being taught through the best because there's a shortage of teachers, I'm, I'm assuming at this point through the pandemic, through all these shifts in health and wages and finance and interest, right? That's right. And you hit the nail on the head. There are, I mean, accolades go to our teachers who have struggled through and our administrators of schools and our district leaders and our charter school operators. I mean, what they have done over the last year and a half to adapt and figure out how to serve our students and how to work on those gaps and those learning challenges they may have now that everybody's trying to migrate back to a um, form that was unique. Um, I believe at this point there are a lot of conversations about digital reach. Mm. There are a lot of conversations about um, alternative methods. You know, there was a pretty solid thought process that a student had to be sitting in that seat in that classroom going through those 50 minutes of whatever that subject was. But I think there are a lot of thoughts towards evolving how we teach right. and how we focus on them at various learning levels and that we 
reach them where they are. Right. Not necessarily remediate, but let's bring them along as we reach a subject. So let's dig down and remediate mm -hmm. and bring them into where they are so we don't just have them repeating grades. And I think that there's a lot of bright minds working around this solution mm -hmm. and realizing the importance of relevance to these kids mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and what different perspectives they have now. Right. You know, I think there's, uh, we're excited about what we see in leadership looking for smaller communities for these students, yeah. that they are going to need different levels of attention to thrive. And these schools could be slightly smaller. They right. could be focused on very deliberate programs. So we're really excited about what we see in our industry. Yeah. And, you know, it's, and it's wonderful because, like I said, what you're doing hopefully is contagious. And hopefully will inspire other partnerships and, you know, a, a pooling of resources on a national level and then hopefully expand to a global level. Because, like I said, if we don't have this foundation as human beings going forward, we fade one way or another. We're doomed to repeat the worst of ourselves. Um, so with... Public School Development Solutions, Lauren Hollander, and we also have Building Tomorrow Schools. T. Oldham, thank you both for joining us, I'm sure. If you go up onto the websites, which I don't know if you want to share that right now, that would probably be helpful for people to see the work, get in touch, obviously donate to Building Tomorrow Schools in different ways, whether it be, I mean, there's so many ways to donate. <laughs> I'm sure you need every resource and every uh, cent, dollar, million dollar check you can get <laughs> right yes we'll so take that. yes um share your website if you have sure it. public school development solutions is psdsfl.us wonderful and building tomorrow schools i'm guessing you could just search <laughs> yes that's right <laughs> yes. easy title right. um thank you for having us oh this has been wonderful i'm so glad this is happening and it's so important for people to realize that this needs to be probably top three of our focuses i mean we can talk about health we can talk about all that but we do not have a future without education that's so, exactly right yes this has been another maximum health quality <laughs> living with yours truly dr ken gray uh this has been brought to you in part by vel health Dot com. See you next time.